Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on The Porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's up, guys? This is David. We are back with another episode of Views from the Porch. I'm joined with the one and only J.D. Rogers. What's up? And for the very first time making his debut, our senior pastor, Todd Wagner. Let's go. I am playing the part of the gorgeous, well-educated, very articulate blonde. That she's going to (laughs) love. She's going to love that. (laughs) We miss you, Elena. intro (laughs) of all time. Yes, we do miss you, Elena, but we've got a special treat today. We're doing something a little bit different. We're going to go through a number of questions that were asked last week. We reached out, as you know, on Instagram and said there's going to be a chance for more content probably than ever to be pushed out. We want to know what you guys want to hear about. So Todd has graciously joined us. So we're just going to run through some of the questions. Let's that we're go here. porch. Come on, dude. Let's go. Yep. Okay. So here's what I did last Monday, Todd. I just got on the Instagram story. I said, Hey, a lot of people cooped up at home right now. What do you want us to talk about? What do you want to hear from us? And so I'm just going to play the role as the porchies, asking the questions, and you two just let me have it. Sound okay. good? All right. First question I have. Why do some Christians in this time act like not living in fear means not taking any precautions? David, I'm going to let you go first. I'm the guest. <laughs> I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll answer every one of them if you, if you let me. So wait, I'll let you go first. Wait, all right. So not leaving in fear acts like, say, ask the question again. Why? Why? I was so ready. What, the, what I was else about to are take you notes. doing? What are you I'm going to take notes of your answer. Are you watching something on that <laughs> new 10-minute summary I, app I that's out there that I can't YouTube. get away from? Uh-huh. I didn't even know that existed. I need to find out. <laughs> ask it one more time. Why do some Christians in this time act like not living in fear means not taking any precautions? Can I just stop right now and pray that our listeners are listening more carefully than David to your question? Yeah. Well, there's so many <laughs> negatives in that sentence. Why is it like not living in fear is like not yeah, taking basically precautions? Some people are like, don't live in fear. And it's like, they're acting like maybe that doesn't mean you should. They're too chill, man. They're they're continuing to create problems because they're not taking this seriously. That's the question. I think it is because one, our generation, there's always been this sense of being invincible Mm -hmm. when you're a young adult. So it's not really going to impact me. A lot of the communication on the virus has been unclear. But I I mean, the Proverbs say that the prudent sees trouble coming and they change their actions. They, they hide themselves, but the fool keeps on going and suffers for it. So I think, uh, I think there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of uh, first-time experience of anything like this for everybody mm-hmm. out there, but yeah. especially in our generation where they're going, you know, how serious is this? Everyone is freaking out. It doesn't seem like it's that big a deal. Foolishly, I think. Yeah. But um, I think as, as Christians, what was a game changer for me was understanding the widespread implications that if I'm not thoughtful and considerate with Philippians 2 mindset to put others' needs before my own, it's going to have implications not just for the lives of people uh, like dying, although that is very going to happen too, or very much going to happen too, but also for uh, economic implications for how long this whole thing's going to keep going. But what would you add? Well, I would just say you're exactly right. I think, you know, Proverbs 20, 29 says the glory of young men is their strength, but the crown of an old man is his gray hair, right? Yeah. It basically means the older you get, you realize that your physical strength isn't the key to success in life. And I think, you know, we all, when we're young, man, that's part of being young. We think we're invincible. Yeah. And and sometimes we think, ah, I don't need to take this seriously because we always know better than our old man, all right, or better mm-hmm. than any kind of authority structure. And I would just tell all of our folks, I mean, listen again and again. Right now, they're just saying, look, even if you can survive this, and the stats are pretty clear, if you're young, 
you're not going to be immune to it. You might be largely asymptomatic, but you're still going to be exposed to it. There's zero community resistance to this thing. So you might get it and it may not really affect you. But the problem is, is you're going to be around people that it's really going to affect. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know, and you listen to this, you don't know what this thing called flatten the curve means. It just means, look, anywhere from 70, 80% of us are going to probably get this at some point. And so wow. if we all got it at the same time, you probably are going to be fine. But some of the people that get it are going to uh, have pretty significant respiratory implications from it that's going to lead to what's called interstitial pneumonia, which is going to require a respirator. There's only a certain amount of respirators. There's less than a million hospital beds in our country. So if we get 70% of 300 million Americans who get this thing all at once, there's not going to be enough hospital beds for them, which is going to cause there to be a spike in the death rate. Not probably amongst the millennial generation, but amongst their grandparents and maybe some of their parents that they love deeply. And so what you have to realize is part of your caution is going to be your expression of care and love for others, which anybody who's serious about the kindness of God wants to emulate. So that's why you got to chill a little bit, not because it's going to hurt you, but because you unwantingly will hurt others if you don't take it seriously. Which takes some education. Everything you just said there, it doesn't intuitively come to you that, oh, it should overwhelm the healthcare system. That's why it's a big problem that if, if such large numbers of people in a at risk or higher risk thing. So that's why I think people are uneducated yeah. or at least it took some learning myself of being around guys. So flatten the curve just means let's not all get it at once. Mm-hmm. Let's let the 70% they're going to get it, get it over the course of a year and not over the course of three weeks. Mm-hmm. Cause one of the ways to have us get through this is we all get it like right now, mm-hmm. but what's going to happen is more people will die that way. So I mentioned this last week. If you go back and look at the Spanish influenza, which came almost exactly a hundred years ago, it's crazy. Philadelphia can, continued with some of their celebratory parades at the end of World War One, And as a result of that, they had eight times the death rate of St. Louis, who took a more conservative approach and said, we're going to cancel our outdoor celebrations. We're going to encourage people to not be out and about. They, they did everything they could to repress public interactions, kind of what you're hearing right now. And as a result of that, literally less than, well, eight times as many people died in Philly as died in St. Louis. Those are wow. real stats. Go back and check it out. Oh, my Crazy. gosh. Okay, let's keep moving. I think this one's not really corona related, but Todd, I think you'd be really good at answering this one. How do you keep your faith growing and versus not settling for a basic basic relationship with the Lord? Like how do you not just have a basic relationship for the rest of your life? How do you keep it growing for the rest of your life? Well, one of the things you want to do is keep reminding yourself who God is. So a statement that I've said a ton around here lately is, you know, if you don't want to know more of God, I doubt that you really know him at all. So I want you to think about the thing in your life that's been the greatest source of blessing, the greatest life-giving discovery that you've made. I don't care if it's a new food uh, or, you know, diet, a new book, a movie you just saw, a series that you're binge watching, and just how how you can't wait to get back to it. Maybe like that early feelings you get in almost every relationship, like where you can't uh, help yourself but want more of a relationship and time with that person. God is better than all of that. And so if you understand who God is, that no good thing does he withhold from those who love him, that in his presence uh, are pleasures forever, in his right hand is fullness of joy, the scripture says, then you're going to go, man, I want to know you more. So you got to keep reminding yourself that what God's trying to do is to be the source of grace that moves you, not from a salvific sense, because grace alone, faith in, in, in Christ and the cross alone is what's going to mm-hmm. get you to be holy and blameless in his sight. But it's going to make you more of the man, more of the woman, more of the husband, more of the date, more of the dad, more of the mom, more of the 60 year old single that you want to be yeah. as you get to know him a little bit more. So you've got to understand the 
the, the blessing that's going to come from knowing more of the God who gives, listen to this, Psalm 84, who gives grace and glory, who gives you things you don't, you could never buy and you mm-hmm. could never earn. And he restores back to you that which is lost because of sin. So why wouldn't you want to know more of that God? Yeah. One, one thing I've seen in your life, Todd, and um, so Second Timothy chapter one talks about Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, fan into flame the faith that you have. Yeah. As in like continue to feed that faith over time. And one thing, you know, I've been on staff here the last 11 years. I've seen Todd model this as well candidly as anybody that I know that I'm going to trust God and do what he says, that his word always comes true. And I think the more, correct me if this is not how you would articulate it, I think the more you do that, the more you, it becomes increasingly easier to do that. In other words, the more you step on that bridge and you see like, hey, this is going to hold me, the more confident you become walking across where other people are looking going, man, that looks like a little bit of a shaky bridge. If you've walked over that bridge 50 times your whole life, you're going, hey, I've, I've done this a million times. I could trust it. And I, I'm guessing that the more you walk with Jesus, or I would say the more that we all walk with Jesus, the more your faith grows that you're like, man, his word comes true. I can test and approve what is good, pleasing and perfect will is, as Romans 12 says. Yeah, it's really a strange thing, right? So the, the more, so two things have happened as I've gotten a little older. Number one, I've seen that God's perfect. He's about a thousand. Every time I've followed him. It's always turned into what he said it would turn into. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean the girl always liked me. The deal always came through. The investment always worked. It just means the peace, the purpose, the meaning, the joy has always been there. The lack of guilt, the lack of shame, the healing, the restoration has always been there. So you're right. He is tested and proven. And so I have more confidence. That's why he calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a God with a resume. Go look at how I did those brothers. They did me wrong. I did them right. So follow in his way. And then secondly, the longer I live, David, the more I've watched my friends who deviated and went another direction, who are starting to come back with the scars. Uh, You know, when they first have left the way, Mm. they've left it with laughters and long necks in their hand, right? Headed towards, you know, the ladies or (laughs) headed towards the lounge where all the party is. But now they've come back with the scars and with the brokenness Mm. and with the wrinkles and with the loneliness that always comes. So I've seen more of the ravages of sin. In other words, I've watched a few cycles. I've watched people that have sown to righteousness and have reaped righteousness. And I've watched people that have sown to self and have reaped pain. So I'm, I'm a little bit more, but I want to just say this to my friends. I am still an idiot. I'm still prone to wonder mm. despite I mean, 40 years of personally almost now, it's a little less than that for me, uh, of testing and seeing the goodness of God. Yeah. I'm still at times sordidly tempted. And if you, if anybody thinks that I don't have to go war against my flesh every single day, they're not paying attention to my That's life. Right. right. That's right. But, but it does help. Um, the more you taste and see of God, the more you will know that he is good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's good. That's good. Keep going. All right, next one. Uh, This is kind of a hot topic right now, so let's just hit it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11 about male headship and also about females uh, in church leadership. This is an easy one. Why don't you take it? (laughs) All right, let me start by saying this. Nowhere in the Bible does it say anything about women being less important or gifted than men. Secondly, Mm -hmm. nowhere in the Bible does it say women submit to men. It says wives submit to your husbands, which means ladies, don't go marrying a pig headed idiot. Don't marry some guy that sweeps you off your feet and promises you that you're always going to be the apple of his eye because you want a guy that knows that 
he's not to use his physical power or his position as the leader of your home to do anything but serve you, to cherish you and honor you. And so God, that's why he's telling you, ladies, marry a godly man, not a guy who carries his Bible or shows up at the porch or listens to the views from the porch, but a guy who walks with Jesus. Right. And you've watched the way he treats those who can do nothing for him because that's going to be the best indication of how he treats you. Watch the way he honors women in general, his mother and things like that. Because if you get around a godly guy, you're going to get around a guy that does nothing from selfishness or empty conceit with humility of mind, considers others as more important than himself, who doesn't really look out for his own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And it's going to go well with you. So let me just start by saying, it doesn't say women submit to men. It says wives submit to your husbands. So marry well, ladies. (laughs) Secondly, All right. I don't care what our society tells you about gender dysphoria. Right. One of the things that's interesting is I went back and looked about um, a bunch of different studies that have come out since this little coronavirus is kind of splashed in the news. And it talks about the way it's um, affecting men and the way it's affecting women and the way it's affecting young men and old women. And all these different studies have come out. Mm -hmm. Somehow we've forgotten about the other 98 genders that we've invented. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Okay. Because nobody's it's talking true. nobody's talking about the way it's Man, treating so non-cisgender people, right? And so all, what I want to let you know is that there are two distinct genders that God has created. All right? And he loves people that are confused about that. And so we should too. But in the midst of that, the reason I say that is God has made us equal in dignity, but we're not the same. Right? Just pay a little bit of attention to the folks that are gender confused that are now starting to compete across the gender that God assigned them at birth and how they're dominating, okay? Everything from track meets to weightlifting competitions to high jumps. I mean, there's not a sport that guys aren't more wired to just physically dominate Totally. okay? And so what I would just say to you is God did make us different. And one of the things that God says is he's a God of order. And so there is order. There's a role for women and there's a role for men. And when we jack with that, it's just not going to go well with us. The problem is, is too many men in their oppressive patriarchy have used and confused their rank, uh, their role, excuse me, with their rank. And so they act like because they're um, over somebody, they should be abusive to them. That's why Jesus says, don't be around those kind of people, right? So, hey, I don't teach my young boys to be godly mothers and I don't teach my young gals to be godly dads. And I want to make sure that a godly dad knows that if he is the head of the home, the woman that is to submit to him is to be blessed because he cherishes, honors, honors, and blesses and partners with that helpmate that God intended them to. I don't know a single woman that isn't treated well by a loving king that isn't glad she's his queen. It's good. It's good. There's a bunch of real truth, real quicks yeah. on this subject too. Yeah. So if you go to YouTube, real truth, real quick, you can type in anything on all that. To well, have a hey, last thing I want to say about this, the word submit, okay, um, that's used in the scripture is the exact same word that is used for Jesus or helper. Let me just say, use the word helper in the Old Testament, that a woman is the helper of the husband, the helpmate. That's the same word that's used of the Holy Spirit. That's the same word that's used of, uh, in, in a sense of Jesus. And so we don't make less of Jesus. Totally. And neither is mm-hmm. the father. The father says, listen to him, right? The father says, honor him. That's the name above all names. And so there is nothing in our uh, unique roles that has anything that in any way diminishes uh, our importance, our significance, our value, and our dignity. And Just, yeah. seven verses later, it says, all of you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yeah. Right? In the yeah. same passage. So there's, there's a deference that all of us can show to honor, but anyways, keep driving. Good stuff. Hey. Come on. Uh, um, okay, this one's kind of specific. 
Uh, thoughts on younger guys being interested in older women or vice versa? <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to think of a biblical example of that happening. I'm sure there is. Uh, thoughts on older guys being interested in younger women or vice versa? Mm-hmm. Man, I think the criteria of age um, should not be the, the driving factor in the spouse that you're looking for, the person that you're going to date. And, and so I wouldn't give too much um, concern to that. Uh, so I, I would make sure they have all the characteristics. If you're a girl, you can go, if you're looking for a guy to lead you, I would look at the type of characteristics that God says he wants to lead his bride, the church. And so you can find that in, in Titus chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3, where it lays out characteristics of what a godly man should look like. So those would be the characteristics I would look. In terms of age, you know, I don't know. Any answer I would give here would be uh, entirely my own opinion and be like, just don't be, get creepy, you know? <laughs> There's actually a formula. Have you heard this before? There's a formula that I think it's your age divided by 2 plus 7 Equals? is the boundary of what you could date. Oh, so you're saying some people have used that as a guideline? Oh, it's, it's like a known thing out there. Like, I, if I was single, mine would be... Uh, 33 divided by two would be 17, 16 and a half plus seven. The, the lowest that I could date would be 24. Oh. According to the said formula. It's some formula out there. I feel like I've heard it a ton. People listening <laughs> in will, will respond and say, <laughs> I know the formula. I've heard this. Uh, never heard of Let me just say this. One of the things that's going on a lot of times is you probably more often um, have the older guy scoping out the younger girl, right? Mm -hmm. It's always a senior guy that wouldn't know what the new freshman class look like, right? So <laughs> I, I think for the most part, you know, this question goes that direction. So let me just start with that one. And I just want to say, hey, the reason that 20-year-old didn't want to date you when you're 20 is probably the reason she's not going to want to date you when you're 32. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, so, right. and, so, and in fact, you're now 32, bro. And if you haven't grown in godliness, yeah. right, and, uh, then, then probably all you're going to do is, is use some of your worldly wisdom to seduce a girl you got no business dating anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would also tell you, if you've grown in godliness, you're going to value things differently than you did when you were 20. And so some of that uh, charm that is deceitful and beauty that is in vain that keeps you looking for the new freshman class uh, is probably going to be less important to you. And so some Good. of the gals that are growing in godliness with you that, um, you know, let me just tell you guys, bodies deteriorate, persons develop. So you want to invest in somebody good. who has developed their person. And if you want to know why you're still single when you're 36, it's probably because you had this unrealistic standard for a long time. Mm. I mean, I don't, I, maybe you've been just a, uh, a faithful servant in the jungles of uh, Ecuador, you know, seeking to teach a language to a people that have never heard the gospel and there was just no women to date. And so now you're back on the scene 15 years later. So to that one person I'm talking to, <laughs> let me just tip my hat to they you and like, say, way to go, you, Way to go. Thank yeah. you, Todd. <laughs> the rest of you guys, let me just say, would, the reason that you're probably single at 36 is because you've had this unrealistic standard. You've looked for this um, you know, woman that's a, you know, never was a Victoria's Secret model, Victoria's Secret model because of her uh, godly attitude, and um, and she's just been this this wonderful person that's everything in your mind, and all of a sudden she's going to show up. Let me just tell you. That gal doesn't exist. And if you keep trying to wait for her to show up, first of all, you got to realize you're not the product you once were, right? And secondly, you're, you're, you're probably evaluating the wrong thing for much mm -hmm. too long. Totally. Right? So let's reverse it around. What about guys dating older girls? I, you know, just know this. Um, the Bible doesn't, let me just, the, this is a little different, okay? The Bible doesn't prohibit in any way dating somebody of a different race. 
Um, it does forbid Israel from doing that in the Old Testament, but it was because Israel was the only one that knew the God that is. Yeah. And he was just mm-hmm. saying, don't marry a, a woman that worships a different God. Yeah. All right. Now, I would tell you that if you marry somebody from a different culture and after a, a, about five to 10 years, there's a little bit of a different culture chronologically, just like if you marry somebody from another part of the world, hmm. even sometimes another ethnicity. And there is zero prohibition from that in scripture, but you are naive if you don't factor in some of the difficulties that are going to come with it. Yeah. So David, you already quoted Proverbs 22, three, right? The prudent see evil and hide themselves, but then yeah. I proceed and inherit folly. So it's not evil at all. Zero, especially to date somebody from a different culture, but there's going to be challenges there. Sure. And I would tell you, there's going to be challenges as well if you marry somebody from a different demographic. And the longer that goes, apparently it's divide your age by half, add seven, that's and 2.4 right. or something yeah, like that's that. Right, that's right. That's exactly <laughs> you can it. imagine some more trouble is going to that's come. That's in my Bible. So just keep that's your eyes good. open, people. And keep good. your eyes on Jesus and pursue other folks that are probably nearer to you in birthday than not. Come that's on. wise. All right. I'm going to kind of wrap up. One last question. The theme of with the Corona stuff, kind of three in one, and let's just end here. Um, so someone said, I'm an extrovert new to Dallas. How do I not feel depressed and anxious being confined in this season paired with, Hey, evictions and loss of jobs are, are potentially coming my way. How do I not fear and get anxious, especially when I feel stuck at home and hopeless. Mm -hmm. And then another one is I'm stuck at home and isolated and temptation is heavier than ever. So just this, it's a mixture of. Yeah. All of what this is breathing into lives of single or, I mean, dating young adults. Just can you kind of just speak to all of that? I think what I hear you asking, if you take all those, because those are a lot, you could take Yeah, those, yeah, I know. Yeah. An we, hour might long do, we might do different segments on it, some of those. How do I continue to abide faithfully and not uh, grow weary in doing good, which is the first one, be discouraged in the midst of this new season, mm-hmm. not be given over to fear of losing my job and uh, not... Uh, given a temptation because a lot of people are spending all kinds of time at home and having more time back because they're not doing technology and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, What would you say? I'd say, first of all, no temptation has overtaken you. I don't care if you are home alone, right? No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And one of the problems with rehearsing that you're in a unique situation now that you're home more is you start to give yourself more permission, Mm -hmm. right? So there's nothing about your current circumstance that isn't common. It maybe is a little uncommon to you, but the truth is all of us are tempted all the time. And God, with that temptation, has provided the way of escape so that you might be able to endure it. Mm-hmm. Secondly, give yourself a little grace if you're prone to worry and panic. Uh, but by grace, what I mean is don't be beaten up yourself because uh, you're, you're right now drifting in where your mind is, but discipline yourself. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, the scripture says. Surround yourself with people that are devoted daily to God's word, that pursue you relationally. They're gonna admonish you faithfully and remind you of things that are true. More than ever, you need to be around friends. They're gonna help you focus on where your hope should be and who can care for you Mm -hmm. if in fact things get difficult from a job perspective because they're protecting now maybe up to 20% unemployment. Wow. Okay. Mm. It's why you want to be part of a community because it might just so happen the career that you're giving yourself to is going to face more layoffs than the career I've given myself to. Well, guess what? Second Corinthians eight tells us how to handle that. God's going to give me more. And in my abundance of poverty, because I have more than I need your abundance of riches of need 
is going to meet my poverty of opportunity. Mm. And then God's going to be glorified in all things. And so that's why you want to be a part of a community. That's why you're a member of a body. So that if you got to get pulled along while that particular uh, part of the body is weak, the other body can come around it. But so I would just say to you a couple of times, don't give yourself, don't rehearse in your mind that you are so unique in this moment that you have to cave to worry or anxiety or fear. Know what you're, know what you're prone to. Get others around you to pray for you, to remind you of things that are true. First, that's 514. Admonish those who are unruly. I don't hear any unruliness in those questions, but in, it says, encourage those who are faint-hearted. I do hear folks who need mm-hmm. that and help those who are weak. And all of us should do that with great patience. Yep. So don't over, uh, don't over attribute to yourself terminal, what I call terminal uniqueness, that you're always the one that the truth of scripture doesn't apply to. All right. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You can do this and God doesn't want you to do it alone. Okay. So be a part of the community that God intends and raise your hands. Say, Hey, y'all pray for me. Remind me of what is true. That's what's going to get me through this. Yeah, it's good. It's true. It's good. All right. Well, Hey, last question, like 50 people asked about awaken. Can y'all to give us any kind of update on what they can just even be thinking on and holding on to for Awaken? We, as uh, you know, we've said before, we are well aware there's a virus. We're going to be wise. We are doing everything we can to be thoughtful and distribute information as soon as possible. And uh, we'll be uh, at very little risk to anybody who is planning on being there. So we will communicate as soon as a decision is made. And we're still hoping things dramatically change. And if they don't, then then we will communicate that as soon as possible or if it's postponed or whatever you know, uh, we think makes, makes most sense. Yeah. First of all, listen, we're not going to be your patience with us and keeping the options open is not going to turn into your financial harm. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to do anything now because you're afraid that you're going to be, you know, ripped off in some way. Number one, number two, I'm glad you're asking the question because it tells me that you value that kind of gathering and that kind of training. So first of all, why don't you be an evangelist? Why don't you start telling your friends, Hey man, if this thing breaks, (laughs) Memorial day might be the perfect time. They start to let us get together. This is going to be amazing. I'm telling you, it is going to be a great gathering. Totally. Now we are going to have to make a decision. One of the options that we can do is because we think probably some registrations might slow. And this is why you can tell folks register and they're not going to be hurt if, if they need to pull back. You know, we, we need to make sure that language is clear because I think there was a date that was given that if you ask for your money back before this, you get a certain percentage. So we'll take a look at that and post that on the Awaken we website. It today. Okay. Well, there we go. So yep. excellent. Within so, 60 days of the, of the conference. So keep going because yeah. it applies to, I think but, we're but one going. of the things that you're going to hear from us is that we might uh, look at some other venues that we control more so that we aren't obligated by certain contracts. Yeah. So we're doing everything we can, first of all, to create an environment for you to get together with other friends where you can have views, not from the porch, man, but from God's word <laughs> live with other friends. Right. And man, if we ever, one of the great things about the great, disaster that is COVID-19 that's causing us to be away from each other is it's reminding us what a blessing it is when we can gather. Mm, So I'd be an evangelist for Awaken. I'd know that you're not going to get hurt if you wait with us. I want you to pray for us. Pray this thing breaks before Easter, man. I want to gather this weekend, much less Easter, and especially if it takes that by the time we gather all around the country. But hey, what a great coming out party Awaken 2020 might be. So come on, tell your friends, let's get it on. That's it. it. All right, that's all I got. Hey, we'll see you next time. Thank you for being here, Todd, JD. How was I as a blonde? Uh, you were great. You You're a great blonde. We found our new blonde. And we will see all of you guys next week on another episode of Views from the Porch. Love you, Porch. We want to 
Thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about The Porch Ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch.